Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. You're looking, looking dapper out there today. Everyone's looking good today. So glad to have you online. Nice to have all of you online as well. We're glad you're with us at Westridge. And so I uh, just want to give you a few updates. If you got your Bibles, Galatians 3. Uh, if, you're, if you're new with us or you don't have a Bible, there should be one in your seat rack there. If not, uh, just raise your hand or you just say you want one. The ushers will get one. I know we've got cell phones too, but it's always good to have the, the paper copy as well. So you can grab one of those if you want. Um, I told you last week I'd give you an update on uh, the Community Blessed Project. We did a, a campaign and everyone brought their commitments in on the 6th of uh, this month. And so just wanted to give you a quick update. At this point, we've had, uh, as of last Sunday, 47,800 uh, pledged for, uh, for the community blessed. So we're excited about that. Of that, 16,000 come in already this year. And, um, and we, uh, last year we had 75,000 come in for the community blessed. Uh, so that, if you guys are new, that's our park. You'll see all the placards all around the, the room here, but uh, we're developing a park. And so you're going to start seeing some fun things. In fact, there was a survey crew there uh, just a little over a week ago. And so you'll see flags and everything staked out over there. And uh, we've met with a tree service company. They're going to start taking down some trees. So you're going to start seeing some movement and some ground movement. But we've got about 100000 in cash to get moving. So you can start seeing some of that happen. And uh, we're just praying that uh, some business support, community support, uh, as we get things moving, uh, we just we know God's in charge. So we're trusting him. But, uh, but just to give you a quick update. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness and your, your generosity. We just appreciate you. We know a lot's going on, right? You want to give to a lot of different places. So uh, thank you for entrusting us with the park as well. Um, as well, Ukraine, I want to give you a quick update there. I told you we were going to be looking. We had a couple different ministries that would be given to. We've had $1,000 come in uh, to give to Ukraine direct, and so we'll do that this week. A check will go out, and we're going to send that directly to uh, the 36 kids. Uh, if you remember telling the Catholic priest went over to Ukraine and to rescue one, and he came, came out of Ukraine with 36. And so, uh, so these funds will all go to those kids. They have a fund set up with Dollar Bank. And uh, so we'll send our first offering. We'll go to them, and then we'll, we'll continue to give uh, to Ukraine and the people there as, uh, as God provides. But it's a blessing to give not only our tithes and offerings, but uh, just offerings to, to help others. And we know God's going to use us. So again, thank you for your generosity for the Ukraine fund as well. Um, if you're new with us, uh, welcome. If you're new online with us, welcome. If you'll let us know that you're here uh, in the room, there's a communicator card on the seat rack in front of you. Just fill that out. Let us know that you're here. If there's any questions, anything we can do to serve you, uh, let us know on the card. That's the best way on a Sunday morning with a lot of people here to know how we can serve you. Just drop those in the tithe and offering containers on your way out. There's blue boxes. Uh, you can put them in there as well as your tithes and offerings. Make that part of your worship today. It's a joy to bring your first tenth. That's what tithing is. Back to the Lord. Uh, he just promises so much. Uh, it's just an amazing. He's first in all things, including our finances. So it's not about how you give. Check money online. Not about how. It's about your heart and, and bringing that to him first. So that's always good. Uh, so make that part of your worship today. Online, uh, there's a, you can give online. There's a secure site at westridge.cc as well. Uh, a communicator card, you can uh, click contact or you can uh, find our communicator card online as well and you can fill that out. If there's anything we can do for you, let us know. Uh, online, we're excited. There's some new changes coming on as well. So if you are online with us, uh, first of all, hello. We know you're there. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, we're looking by Easter to make some shifts. So you're going to start seeing we'll have, um, we're going to take our, what we're doing now for Sunday. We're going to make it better. There's going to be a way you can communicate to us through chat, uh, live time. And so someone will be watching that. So uh, we're praying by Easter. That'll all be ready to go for you. But uh, so be watching for those changes. We're, we're grateful you're here with us. And, um, and so that's, those are some updates that are coming up. Uh, well, I want to share a praise report, speaking of our online crew. And so we had one of our, uh, one of our 
members and attendees come and uh, they weren't able to make it last week because it was cold and their door froze up actually. So they were in the house. And so if you remember last week, I was sharing about uh, someone gave their life in the women's Bible study and plugged in her bulb. And, and so she's here today. So I don't want to embarrass her, but uh, we're proud of you. So do you want to wave? We just want to support you. We're proud of you. Proud of you, proud of you, proud of you. So, so you were frozen in last week in your house. You couldn't get out your door, right? You were on a verge going through the window, but you didn't. You stayed and you watched online, right? And your, and your husband watched with you, and I understand he gave his life to Jesus last week, and so that is awesome. And miraculously, this is how good God is, miraculously, I guess somewhere after he gave his life or the service is over, the door popped or cracked and opened right back up. So you were free in every way, free in your house, free in spiritually. Praise God. That's so good. That's so cool. Good stuff. Uh, all right, well, if you've got your Bibles, open to Galatians chapter 3. Uh, this, is, this is a phenomenal chapter in the Scriptures. If you, uh, if you like theology, you're going to love this, all right? So there's a lot of meat on the bone, and we're not going to get... Uh, so there's, there's a thing in the Scripture talk, it talks about. So if you're new in your faith, look, there's, we need to be fed. Like, like babies, you need to be given milk. So if you've never read the Bible, it's new to you. We're here to help you. We're here to teach you. Uh, but let me just tell you, if you uh, feeding yourself, right? We grow up, we get to a point where we feed ourselves. We know what we like. We know how to take care of ourselves. Uh, you can chew on this chapter for a long time. That's what I'm telling you. There's a lot of meat on the bone here. So if you want to go home, and in fact, I will encourage you. Um, how many of you have ever got just messed up with you know, legalism, the law, works, you know, gaining God's approval just by doing good things. Anyone get caught up in that trap? Galatians 3 is a life raft for you. This is, uh, so read this over and over. I, I would encourage you if you've ever got confused in there, if you're confused now or someday you're, you're going through your faith and you get a little lost, Galatians 3 will help you. It's just such an amazing, amazing chapter uh, to really clarify God's heart in all ways. So Paul does a phenomenal job. Uh, but Galatians 3.28, so the, here's kind of the, the theme uh, anchor verse in Galatians. Now, uh, many of you have heard this verse before, but maybe you haven't heard it in this context. The context of the verse is Paul is clarifying our faith. And here's what he writes in verse uh, 28 of chapter 3. And we'll, go, we'll get back to this a little bit later in the message. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And so it's a very popular verse, but it's interesting where it's woven in Galatians 3. And so we'll get there in a minute. I'll just got to leave you hanging so you can, you can join in with me. But um, all right, well, how many of you guys uh, like getting letters in the mail? You like getting these like old school snail mail, we call them now, right? You like getting not just letters, but handwritten letters. You like handwritten letters? Anybody like those? Uh, you know, you just get excited. You get, you get something in the mail and you're like, ooh, uh, well, uh, this is what Paul is doing in the epistles. He's sending letters to the, like snail mail letters to the churches. And so I can't imagine what they were like when they got the letter from the apostle Paul. You know, just about a week or maybe a couple more weeks ago, Abby got a letter in the mail and it was handwritten to Abigail Goble. And she got real excited, you know, when a kid gets the mail. Kids, you like getting mail? I mean, it was, it looked legit. It was handwritten. She was excited. She got it. She's, and we have a, a pretty good hill at our new place. So she's running up the hill excited with her letter. Uh, and you know how kids are when they get mail. They don't open it gingerly. You know, they rip it open, right? And so she, she rips open the letter and pulls it out. Just And, and I'm down the hill. She's running up excited to show mom and everybody that she got a letter and, and making situations in her head. Well, I wonder if it came from this person or that person or what it's about. So she opens it up and it's a beautiful card. Again, lots of beautiful handwriting on there and she opens it up and here's what it says. We love 
braces. <laughs> and you hear Abby go, oh. I hear it down the hill, like, oh, you get this beautiful letter. And it, says, we, it's, it was just a reminder for her orthodontist appointment. But, she, you know, so <laughs> kudos to the marketing team, but, but a letdown for Abby. She just was so disappointed. So, but I wonder when Paul sent a letter to the churches of Galatia, when they got that letter, and I don't know how many letters, it's not really clear how many letters Paul would send or how often, but I would imagine if they got a letter from the Apostle Paul, and they just, they opened it up, and they began just to, to re- I'm sure they got it ecstatic, excited. I mean, this is, this is the guy that came and shared the gospel with you. You're saved. Now you're leading the church, and you're leading people, and you get this letter. I, I would just imagine that they were ecstatic to open it, but they, in, this, in this instance, in Galatians chapter 3, the very first verse, it says that they opened the letter, and here's the first line. Now remember, Galatians, the whole, there's a whole letter. I'm just, I'm picking a piece of the letter. So last week, we, we talked about how he addressed Peter and John, the leaders of Jerusalem. He was addressing them for, for preaching false doctrine and making the gospel what it's not. Uh, you know, in week one, we talked about you know, different facts of the churches of Galatia. Remember, it's not a city, it's a region, it's modern-day Turkey. And, and we just shared some facts about that. But the purpose and the intention of Paul's letter was uh, to, you know, first of all, uh, greet and welcome and, and uh, appreciate all the leaders in the churches. And then secondly, to get some clarity, to make some things right, because there's a false gospel going around and they were, they were buying it hook, line, and sinker. So now chapter three is written directly to the leaders of the churches of Galatia. It's written to them. And it starts off, I mean, they open the letter, they read the first line and they say, you fool. You fool. Imagine that's like Abby going, ah. You know, they read it like, oh, you fool. It says in verse 1, it says, Now I say, uh, that's chapter 4, sorry. Chapter 3, it says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now that's not a word we use very often, and for us old people, bewitched is a TV show. You young people are like, what are you talking about? You got, uh, it just means it's like an evil curse. You're, you're believing something that's a lie. It's evil in, in its intention. So who has bewitched you that you should go and not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want you to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit? Now this is kind of a rhetorical question. He's answering his own question with a question. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing it of faith? Obviously it's the latter. Verse 3, are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Here's Paul saying, look, maybe it was in vain. Maybe you really didn't receive the gospel. Possibly you're not even saved. Verse 5, therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you, who works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? So in other words, so did the miracle happen because you did something? That wouldn't be a miracle, would it? That would be you doing something. Of course, it was by faith. It was by faith in God that this miracle happened. Of course, it was by faith that you received Christ. Of course, it was. Why foolish Galatians? Now, uh, so his, his first order in chapter 3 is some harsh correction. How many of you guys like correction? How many of you handle it really? Uh, if you got this letter and he called you a fool, how would you handle it? If you open this letter and, and you look, read the letter, it says, you foolish Galatians, you've been bewitched. You've had an evil curse cast over you. How would you take it? It's interesting, right? We live in the world right now where responsibility is everybody else and not me. 
Or are you teachable? Are you moldable? Would you have received the letter from an apostle, Paul himself? Would you have received it and said, oh, I am sorry, and repented? Would you have made it right? So Paul, but one thing is clear. So how would you take correction from maybe an apostle? Let me ask you, how would you take it if God corrected you? Because really, Paul's writing on the Lord's behalf, but the reality is, what if God corrected you for behavior that you were displaying that wasn't his heart? Would you be repentive or would you start making excuses? Well, it's, you know, again, listen, we're all human. I'm not trying to condemn or judge or make you feel bad because it happened to Adam and Eve, right? Well, you gave me the woman. And the woman says, well, it was, it was, it was the serpent. It was the enemy, right? We begin to blame and shame and do all these things. We need correction. All of us do. I'm amazed at you know, books like this in the Bible. Like Sometimes you wonder, why would they put that in the Bible? Why would God put Galatians 3 in the Bible when the church is going astray and going awry? Listen, nothing's new under the sun is happening today. We need to know God's heart, and we need leadership. We need people to correct. We need the gospel to be the gospel and nothing else. And so this is Paul. It starts with correction. Then it moves into something, uh, moves into he brings clarity. He corrects, and then he clarifies. We call this the sandwich, but because we're reading Galatians 3, we've got to remember there's a couple chapters before. If you remember, how did Paul start? Brothers and sisters, I, I pray for you continuously, and he encouraged, right? He started with encouragement, and then he talked about the issues, and then he'll end with encouragement. That's the way all of Paul's letters are written, right? We call that the sandwich. You know, if you walked up to somebody and slapped them and told them their problems and walked away, it probably wouldn't be received well, would it? And so Paul knows it's kind of like this sandwich. You start with encouragement. You start with telling them, uh, you know, greeting them, welcoming them, telling them, uh, you know, just encourage them as a human being, speaking life into them through Christ. And then the meat, you know, the middle of the sandwich, the meat is the correction or it's, it's the shift or whatever you need to talk about. And then you end with saying, hey, uh, I love you. I'm praying for you and more encouragement, right? So that's, that's where he's at. So this chapter is the meat. The correction happened and then, now Paul is saying, here's, first of all, it's foolish. What you're teaching, what you're believing, what you're doing. First of all, did God save you by works? No. He saved you by faith. So stop making it about works again. Now, just because you're saved and you know Jesus, it doesn't mean uh, that we won't do good things. Of course we'll do good because God is good and our heart is to be like Christ. And so we're going to display good things, but we're not checking boxes. We're not doing good things to get God's approval. You've already received his approval. He died for you. He, he paid the price for you. Now, there is a relationship both with Christ and with people. And so, obviously, we're going to display the heart of God in all that we do. So, good things will happen. But so many of us get caught up in the trap. Well, I've got to get this right and that right. And then I can follow Jesus. Or I can't go to church because I've, I've done this wrong or this wrong. Or people just may look at me and they may judge me. No, that's not what's happening. That's what's happening in you. And I know sometimes people can be cruel. But Paul makes it very clear. Listen. God loves you. He died for you. Stop making it about works. Stop making it about doing things to get God's approval because that's not what it's about. Stop making the gospel about, well, yes, it's about receiving Jesus by faith and 
You have to do these other things. We talked about this the last two weeks. The Jews were really pressuring them. Yes, you've got to receive Jesus. And yes, you have to be circumcised. And it kept going. They keep adding things to the gospel. And Paul says, knock it off. That's not what Jesus taught. When you got saved, it was because of the grace of God. It was because of faith. When you got saved, when you saw the miracle, it was because of your faith in God, not because of what you did. And so he begins to clarify, this is what faith in God is. He says, first of all, it's by faith. Now, if you're a Jew, and Paul's a Jew, by the way, and Paul was a Jew that went the wrong way. He, he was persecuting Christians. He was living by the law. It was all about works. It was all about him telling everybody, everybody to do what, they, what he wanted them to do. But then he himself wasn't doing it. So he was in the camp. So he understood when he was writing these pages, this was me. And I got saved and everything changed. I met Jesus and it was no longer about works. It was no longer about me manipulating and pressuring and and torturing people to believe what I believed. So he's not writing this letter. He's not sending this letter to the church of Galatia with hypocrisy. He's not writing this letter as if he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's writing it as a testimony to say, that's who I was and I was lost. That's who I was and I wasn't free at all. That's who I was, and I wasn't displaying Christ's love or heart at all. And so he says, it's by faith. And he goes back as a Jew, he goes back to the, to the father of faith. Do you know who the father of faith is? Abraham. Abraham. This is the original father of faith. If you read Hebrews 11, he's like, this is the hallmark of faith. This is the guy, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, for a Jew, this is a big deal. You go back to Abraham and look at what Paul says. Look at verses uh, 6 through 9 of chapter 3. He says, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted for him as righteousness. This sentence alone, just as Abraham believed, faith, not works, faith, as he believed, it was accounted to him as righteousness. This is where faith started. When Abraham believed in God, when he put his faith in God, that's when things changed for Abraham. That's the moment everything changed. And in that belief and in that faith, God spoke promises over Abraham. He began to speak life into Abraham. Why? Because he believed and because he had faith. And let me just give you a spoiler alert. This was 400 years before the law. The gospel was preached from the earliest pages of your book, of the scriptures, of the Holy Bible. Now, the law has a place, but it's not for salvation. So he says it's by faith. It goes on to say, therefore, know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you, all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing in Abraham. As the Galatians are reading this letter, Paul is instructing them. He's telling them. He's showing them in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, that God's desire was for you to be saved and it was by faith and faith alone. It's by you believing in Jesus. This happened in your father Abraham. As a Jew, my father Abraham, the God of Abraham, it happened in him. And the promise was that all nations, which includes you, Galatia, which includes you, God spoke that the Gentiles would receive the gospel just like the Jews all the way back in Genesis. 
Because there was also this pressure and this leadership in the Jewish church that say, no, the gospel was for the Jews and not for the Gentiles. And Paul's saying, no, it's not true. The gospel was spoken all the way back. All the way back, even before the law. God's desire is that all, as Lisa spoke so well from the stage, that all who believed would be saved through Christ. So it was by faith. Second, the law, he brings clarity to the law. The law reveals our sin. Now the law itself is good. Right? The Bible says that. You can go read it in Romans. The law itself is good. If you and I could keep, there's over 600 laws. If we would keep them, it would be good. There was only one person that fulfilled the law, and it was Jesus, which means he never sinned. He never went against the law. He followed it to a T. Yes, he was God, but he was also a man making choices like us, and he, he's the only one that fulfilled the law. That's why he's the Messiah. That's why he's the Savior. The law revealed how sinful we are. This is God's heart. And here's the depravity of our heart. God's, God's law is good. It's the desires of God's law, his intentions, his best for you is right here. Yet we keep cho- choosing other things. So the law just showed us how depraved we were. He says in verse 10 of the same chapter, Paul says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Curses everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them but that no one is justified. Listen, no one, no one, no one is justified by the law. And the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Well, how did Jesus become a curse if he never sinned? Because he took your sin and my sin. Curses everyone who hangs on a tree. Easter's coming. This is what we're celebrating. Jesus took our iniquities, our sin. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit. The promise of the Spirit was that all nations shall be blessed. That all nations should receive Christ through faith. The law. It just showed us that we're sinful people, that we need a savior. And then Paul begins to connect the dots. He begins to make it very clear to both the Jew and the Gentile. First of all, it's by faith and faith alone. It is by faith and the grace of Jesus that we can be saved. That's it. That's the gospel. Second, the law shows us that we're, that we're full of sin, that we have sin. The law is good, but we are sinful because we couldn't obey the law. Not one of us in this room or one of us watching online, none of us could obey the law. Not one. And even if you could obey the law, even if you broke even a piece of the law, not one of us could be justified by the law. Your salvation is not found in following the law. Your salvation is found in following Jesus and believing Jesus. Paul goes on to say, listen, the Messiah, the Savior. And by the way, all Jews believe this. See, we're reading a piece of history. We're reading the living word of God, the truth. And sometimes we don't understand the, uh, the roots of the Jewish Old Testament. 
But let me just tell you, Paul is a Jew, and every Jew that you'll ever talk to believes that in Genesis, when it talks about the seed, it's messianic. It's talking about the Messiah. There's no question with a Jew that it's talking about the Messiah. Now, there's also the seeds, plural, of the nation, right? These are the kids, or these are the people that believe by faith in Christ. They become part of the seeds of Abraham. That's not the seed. These are the believers. These are the followers. But every Jew believes that what Abraham's talking about, the, the seed, the one seed, is Christ Jesus. It's the Messiah. So he brings it back and he says, here's the promised seed. By faith you receive Jesus. The law reveals sin. The law reveals that we need a Savior. And then he says in Galatians 3, 15 through 19, here's what is taught in the Old Testament. Here's what's taught to Abraham. Brethren, I speak as a manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed. Now watch what he says. He's clarifying. He's helping you know the Jewish belief of this word seed. Abraham and his seed were the promise made. He does not say, and to the seeds as many, but as of one. And to your seed who is Christ. That's pretty clear, isn't it? I'm telling you, the seed that he talked about in Abraham is Jesus, is the Messiah. And I say that the law, which was 430 years later, isn't this amazing? God preached the gospel to Abraham 400 years before the law. God told Abraham that there would be a Messiah coming through the lineage of Abraham. And that that Messiah would save the whole world, all the nations. Four hundred and thirty years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ that it should be made make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer a promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. God never forgets His promises. And if He said, "I'm sending a seed to save all the nations," He's speaking about a Messiah. And Paul didn't always believe in Jesus, but now that He's found Jesus, now that he's confessed and believed by faith in Christ, now he sees what, and they always knew this was messianic, they just didn't know it was Jesus. And now Paul is making it very clear. The law can't save you. It's by faith alone. And this seed that Abraham talked about is Jesus Christ. And then he makes it, he goes one more step and bringing clarity and says, all of us need a savior. We all need a savior. Verse 25, he said, or verse 20, he says, now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Listen to this, certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been, been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be real. Therefore, listen to this, the law was our tutor. We understand what a tutor is, right? It's there to help you understand. The law was there to help you understand that you and I and every person on this planet need a savior. The law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. 
But after faith has come, we no longer need the tutor. Why don't you need the tutor? Because now you have God living inside of you. It doesn't mean that their Old Testament is exempt. It means that now you can know the heart of God. You have God instructing you. It doesn't mean that you're following every law because you have a relationship with the living God that's going to help you understand his heart. This is about a relationship that's by faith. The law could never save you. The law could never justify you. In fact, when you study the law, all 600 of them, you realize how much you can't keep it. You realize how much it is a tutor that's leading you to somebody that can help you, that can save you. And the reality that we can have a relationship with the living God, the law could never give that to you. It's only through the seed. It's through Jesus Christ. It's through relationship with the Messiah by faith, by believing in him and by following him. So Paul makes it abundantly clear. He brings correction. He brings clarity to where they're confused. And he brings clarity to what's true. And finally, and I love this last verse, and I, or this last point, and I think it's all going to benefit you and help you. And I believe we don't get it. We don't understand. And I told you there's a lot of meat on the bone. You can keep chewing on this. You can keep reading this. In fact, I'd encourage you to read it a couple more times. Just allow the Lord to, to speak things to you. But here's what he says. The truth and inheritance we are given through Christ. Do you realize that this was... Yes, Jesus saved you, but there's also a transfer to you. When Jesus said to Abraham, because you've believed, it's accounted to you as righteousness. Look, this is a, an accounting term for all you math people. You're getting really excited, right? Accounting. It was accounted to you, which means it was put in your account. Why? Because you believed, because you had faith, it was accounted to you as righteousness, which means Abraham and you and I were all sinful people. So we took the sin out of our account and we put it in Jesus' account. That's what he took to the cross. He took our sin and we took the righteousness of Christ and put it into our account. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't sin anymore. In fact, just because you're a follower of Christ doesn't mean, you just keep going on sinning. Just go on, have a bash. You're saved now. Just keep sinning. You know what Paul calls that? Ignorance. That's what Paul says in another one of his epistles. That's ignorance. We should be grateful by grace that we've been saved because we don't deserve salvation. That should change our, our outlook. That should change our relationship. It should change how we see things. Think about this. Before Christ, we were married to the law. That's what it says in Romans. You were married to the law. In fact, even today, for those of you online and those of you in the room, if you don't know Jesus, you're still married to the law, whether you realize it or not. You're married to the law. Why? Because it, we're sinners. We're missing the mark. As good as you try to be. You know, the truth that is being taught in our culture and our world today that we're all born good is a lie. Because the scripture says we all have hearts that are depraved. Every one of us do. So what are you going to believe? You're going to believe the scriptures or are you going to believe some person? That's not God. Now, I'm not saying it's not a good argument or a good debate. But at the end of the day, 
We're all going to go stand before Jesus, and who's going who's to be the truth? The reality is, is Paul is saying, listen, it's amazing to me that we were sinners. All of us were. Every one of us. We all blew it. We've all broken the law in different ways, different fashions. Whether you lied or you stole or you didn't honor God, you didn't make him first, you, you don't remember the Sabbath. Look, it doesn't matter. We've all sinned. But what a beautiful transfer that as a sinner, when you have faith and you believe and you receive Jesus as your Lord and, you, and you're now saved, he takes all that sin. He not only takes it upon himself and pays the price for you, then he forgives it and he gives you his righteousness. Now, listen, a lot of us say, well, I'm just a sinner. No, you're not. If you're saved, you're not a sinner anymore. You may sin from time to time, but you're no longer a sinner. What are you? You're a saint. That's what you are. That's what the scripture says. You're a saint. Now, depending on your background, you're thinking, well, saints, saints. That's not what I'm talking about. You're a saint. You're part of God's church. You're part of his family. You're not a sinner any longer. There's been this amazing transfer where God has not only washed you clean, but deposited his righteousness into you. And so Paul talks about this inheritance for you as a believer. He says this in Galatians 3, 26 through 28. Now I'm going to read this out of a, a, a different translation because I don't want you to get confused. And the New King James, well, I want to confuse you first, and then I want to clarify. How's that? <laughs> and the New King James, it says, for you, uh, well, let me read it out. For you are all sons of God. Now, if I was to say you're all sons of God, the ladies would be like, but I'm not a son, I'm a daughter. It's a legal term. Sonship means that there's an inheritance that's passed on to your sons. God's not saying this is only for the males. Because the very next verse is what? Neither Jew nor Greek. Slave or free. Say it. Male or female. And by the way, there's only male or female. Just, just to give clarity. It's not about gender. It's not about male or female. This is about sonship. Another way to say it in, the, in another translation is, and I like, I like this interpretation of it, but sonship is the legal term, okay? It's when you pass on, when you make a will as a human being and you pass it on to your kids, it's an inheritance and it's given to those kids, right? Doesn't matter, son or daughter, you define it. This goes to this person. This goes to this person. But the reality is, you're my kids. It goes to my kids. And so this is the way this translation, right? For you are all children. Is that better? Breathe, ladies. You're all children. You're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. See, he knows you ladies really well. It's like putting on new clothes. Ladies, you like getting new clothes? Yes. You look in the mirror, take a million selfies, right? But it's even better than new clothes because it doesn't wear out. Your clothes don't get old. Like this lasts for eternity. This outfit goes forever. And it's always in fashion. It's always good. Salvation. This is what God does. This is the inheritance he gives. Goes on to say. Oh, I got lost. Here we are. Children. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. You now belong to Christ. You are true children of Abraham. You are his heir. So God does something pretty amazing here, and I think we overlook it. Not only are you, so the first thing is, all who believe are now his kids. You're now his kids. 
You're now Christ's kids. Jesus himself has adopted you into his family. We once were lost, but now we're found. We once were uh, in bondage, but now we're free. We once were blind, but now we see. You've been adopted into God's family. You're his children. You see, a lot of times we, we're not comfortable with saying, you know, I'm a saint of God. Look, I'm not putting you on some pedestal where you're putting yourself uh, in a place that you're not. Look, we're not God. We're his kids. And we follow after our dad. We follow after our, our spiritual family. We follow after Jesus because Jesus says, I'll know my kids because they'll follow my teachings. I'll know my kids because they'll love me and they'll follow me and they'll trust me. But the truth is, is when you get saved, and if you, listen, if you haven't done that today, that's what all these light bulbs are out in the lobby for. If you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life, look, you can do that. Today's the day of salvation. And when you do that, when you believe, it's by faith. It's not by works. I hope you're hearing that over and over and over again. It's not by what you do. It's by who you believe. And regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you think, regardless of what others say about you, it does not matter. What matters is, is, is Jesus Lord of your life? And if he's not, if you're ready to believe him by faith and receive him as your Lord, and not just receive him, but now follow him, this transfer of righteousness, you become part of his family, you become one of his kids. You're a son or you're a daughter, You've now been adopted by the Most High God who will live on and you'll live on with him and his family for all eternity. That's what it's about. Secondly, he says this, we're now Abraham's seed. Not only are you part of God's family, now you're part of Abraham's family. Abraham's seed is what they call it. Now this is seeds plural. This is for every person that receives Christ as Savior, as Lord, we now get grafted in. Is another way Paul writes about it in another epistle. You've been grafted in. We're not replacing the Jews. We're not replacing what God's done. We're now part of what God's doing because he said all along to Abraham that Jesus will be the seed of all nations. You're now grafted into this amazing kingdom plan. You're now part of not only God's family, now you're part of the earthly family that was founded in Abraham. Now you're part of his seed. It goes beyond that even. He ends in verse 26 of the same chapter. And he says, we now inherit the promises spoken over Abraham and his seeds. Do you realize that whatever God has spoken over Abraham is now applying to you? When God made a promise to Abraham, now some things are specific to Abraham, of course. But he also spoke over the seeds, over the kids. He spoke over this family. He spoke over, over this reality of people that will follow God. There's going to be an inheritance. There's going to be something I'm going to do. I promise that this will happen to you and all those that will follow, all the nations that will follow Christ. Now that you've received Jesus, you've not only become part of God's family, you've become part of Abraham's family. And not only you're part of Abraham's family, but now you inherit all the benefits of the promise of God spoken over Abraham. And do you know what they are? You probably don't. It's okay. But you might want to look it up. If someone left a will in your family and they designated, this is your part, 
I promise you, you would know your parts. Wouldn't you? You wouldn't allow the will to go, ah, I don't care what it says. That benefit is yours. Legally, it's rightfully yours. It's your inheritance. And you can receive every part of it. And this is what God is saying. What's mine is yours. Everything I've spoken over Abraham and his seeds is now yours. So I figured I want to end that way today. Now, this only matters if you're a believer in Jesus. If you're not following Jesus, this doesn't apply to you. And I'm not here to be harsh or mean because I don't, I don't have any control over that. That's between you and God. But I promise you what I'm about to read, everybody wants. I promise you what I'm about to read. Every person in their heart desires this very thing. And let me just encourage you, that's God's heart for you too. That's why he died for you. That's why the Father sent his son for you. So you can be a part of God's family. You could be a seed of Abraham. And you can know the heart of God for you and your family. And listen, your, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, your family, your, your coworkers, your neighbors, look, all of this applies to every aspect of your life. So why don't you stand to your feet? Genesis chapter 12 is where you find the promise. And by the way, there's a lot of promises given to Abraham as well that would apply to you, but I'm only gonna read a couple. Unless you guys wanna stay till tonight, I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> we can break it down verse by verse. I'm only gonna read two verses, and I just want you to close your eyes. I don't want you to worry about your neighbor. And the only thing I do want you to ask is, where are you with Jesus? Have you received him as Lord? If you're online, ask yourself that question, have I received Jesus? If not, now's the, now's the time. There's nothing special in my voice. There's nothing in my hand. This is between you and Jesus. You simply gotta say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm repenting. I realize that the law just shows me how, how much of a sinner I am. And I need you, I need a savior. Like Paul said, I need a savior. And I realize that's you. And you simply just say that in your own words. It's not about repeating what I say. It's not about my words. This is about your heart. And when you do that, when you make Jesus Lord of your life, he forgives your sins, he takes your sins, and he transfers his righteousness into you. You're a new creation. Things are gonna start to change. You're gonna follow Jesus from today on forward. And also, these promises are for you. If you're making that decision today, these promises are for you. You're now a child of God, a seed of Abraham, and these promises are now for you. But for all of you in this room and all of you in your living rooms or wherever you are, if you're following Jesus, this is for you. I want you to hear it. I'm gonna say it in different ways. I'm gonna speak it over and over again because I don't believe we understand our inheritance. I don't believe we understand the promises that God speaks over you. This is for you. Close your eyes, just listen. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will bless you. And make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, I recognize some of those truths are for Abraham, but some of the, listen to what I'm telling you. I want you to listen very closely. 
I'll make you a great nation. I'll make you a great nation. What does your nation look like? Well, it starts with you. It starts with your spouse. It starts with your family. It starts with those that you're around. It starts with your kids. It starts with your grandkids. That's all part of the nation. The nation is those that follow God, those that will believe Jesus, those that will follow after Christ. You play a part. You can lead people to Christ. You can model what this life is like. You can have, you were part of a great nation that started with Abraham years ago, but now you're part of it. This promise is for you. I will bless you. I don't hate you. I'm not mad at you. I will bless you. I love you. I died for you. I've made you whole. I've made you righteous. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I will bless you. How much does a father know how to give, give a good gift to his son? How much more does your heavenly father, how much more does the Messiah, Jesus, who died for you, know how to bless you? He will bless you. I will bless you. You keep following him. He will bless you. And please don't tell Jesus how he can bless you. He knows. He knows how to bless you. And I'll make your name great. This isn't for your ego. This isn't for your pocketbook. This isn't for your, your career path. He'll make your name great because he's great. And as you follow Jesus, your name will be great because you're pointing people to the great one. You're pointing people to the Messiah. The greatest thing that could be about your name is that you lead people to Christ. You show them Christ. That's when your name's going to be great. That's the only thing that lives on for all eternity is faith and your belief in your relationship with Jesus. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you, you, you young man, you young woman, you son, you daughter, you will be a blessing. You will be a blessing. You're not a burden. You're not a burden. You will be a blessing. You, you got to say it to yourself, you will be a blessing. And say your name, I am a blessing. I am a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those that curse you. See, we worry about the wrong thing all the time, don't we? God's got your back. God's got your back. He's more concerned about his kingdom plan than you are. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. Stop giving the devil credit. Stop worrying about what everyone else is saying. You worry about what God says. You worry about his plan for you. His plan to prosper you and bless you. You were a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's what your life is all about. Is that from today forward, I hope you remember this, and but keep reading this over yourself. From today forward, every family you meet from here on out will be blessed. Why? Because you know Jesus. You know the Messiah. You know the Savior. Maybe they don't. It's a blessing you met them. It's a blessing that you're in your life. It's a blessing that you're around them. It's a blessing that you work for them. It's a blessing that you live next to them. It's a blessing that they're in your family. Lord, I just pray for this church. Let us believe it, God. Lord, so many times we say we're a Christian, but we don't know what it means. It means that we're 
your children. It means that we're your son and daughter. It means that we're part of the seed of Abraham, that we're part of this kingdom plan that goes on for the rest of existence, that we're living with the living God for all eternity. God, that we are a blessing, not only a blessing to you, but we're a blessing to others. God, that we can be a blessing to everyone that's around us. Lord, we may not always get it right, but our heart is set as we follow you, we will do all we can to show people the love that you showed me, that you died for me, you took my sins, that you blessed me, and I'm going to be a blessing. And Lord, I just pray as we share our faith, as we live life together, as we rub up next to one another, those that love you, Lord, as they bless you, as they bless me, as they bless each other. God, there's just so much that you're doing. There's so much depth to this relationship. There's so much depth to this family. We're not just Christians. We don't just go to church. We're part of the family of God. We're part of the seed of Abraham. We're part of the kingdom plan that lives on for all eternity. We're part of the great God, the great I am, the Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, the Messiah himself, the seed, the one true seed of Abraham. Lord, we love you. We worship you. And Lord, for those that have taken step today to follow you, show them yourself. Reveal yourself to them. Holy Spirit, they're now a new creature. You've changed them. you transformed them. Lord, let us believe it. Let us believe it. Let us walk in all authority of who we are as your kids. In Jesus' name, everyone said.